This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. According to the International Labor Organization, nearly 20% of all domestic workers are migrant workers. This means they move to a different country to do domestic labor, clean houses, prepare food, take care of children. Most of them are female. It's important, hard labor. Migrant domestic workers are particularly common in Gulf countries like Saudi Arabia. And Kenya sends a lot of domestic workers to these countries. More than half of the 87,000 or so Kenyans employed in the Middle East since 2019 are domestic workers. It's a big source of income. Kenyans living in Saudi Arabia send the third largest amount of money to families at home. That's after the U.S. and the U.K. But many women returning from this work describe horrific circumstances, particularly in Saudi Arabia. And in an alarming number of cases, death. My friends, we were 12 of us, but four of them died and we remained eight of us alive. For Foreign Policy, I'm Rena Nainen. On today's episode of The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, we're going to Kenya. We'll hear from women domestic workers who came back from Saudi Arabia and what they faced there, and labor experts about how to deal with these international crimes, particularly if they're hard to prosecute in the host country. A warning, this episode contains some material involving abuse and violence. Many of these domestic workers were employed under the kafala system in Saudi Arabia. This gives employers near total control over their employees' work and immigration status, as well as ability to leave the country. Saudi Arabia announced plans last year to amend this system so workers can switch jobs and travel without needing an employer's authorization. Still, reports of mistreatment are common. Reporter Pauline Ungaji has more. It is a typical chilly evening in Omwaro village, Nyamira County, a five-hour drive from Kenya's capital, Nairobi. It rains heavily all year round in this part of the country, and today is no different. It has been wet for the most of the day, and so we have to navigate through narrow, muddy pathways in between thickets, leading us to Florence Nyanchama's homestead, a couple hundred meters from the main dirt road into the village. Florence is the mother of Deborah Nyanchoka, who in January 2020 traveled to Saudi Arabia to work as her housemaid. Reaching Saudi Arabia, I was received by an agent. Uh, immediately, I, I got at the airport. They took my passport. They take everything you have that is official. So they put us in a taxi. We were 12 of us. Then we were taken to the hostel. So then my boss came the same day and took me to another city called Damam. So that is where I worked for 26 months. Here in Kenya, women who seek domestic work abroad are often perceived as uneducated and without skill. But that's not the case for Deborah. She graduated in 2015 with a degree in Bachelor of Science in Entrepreneurship from Moi University, one of the most prestigious schools in Kenya. 
despite doing everything she could to better herself, she still felt like her only way to make a decent salary was to go abroad. My work was to do cleaning, cook, take care of the kids. The family had eight kids. Everything that was being done, I was alone. I was working in 16 rooms. Uh, the house was big and I was working for 18 hours, sometimes 17 hours. Wake up at 6 and sleep at 12 midnight. Deborah's plan worked to some extent at least. She was able to earn enough to send money home and support her two children living with Florence. My mom is just a widow and she, they were all depending on me. I'm the breadwinner. But even as she was sending money back home, things were getting harder for this mother of two as the work situation deteriorated each passing day. Personally, I survived the death two times. The first time, there was a kid in that house who got COVID-19. So they left us, the two of us, without informing me. So they gave me instructions on how to take care of that kid until they came back for the two-week quarantine, the 14 days. The second experience, it happened after 18 months. I was working for those long hours and my legs got swollen. I was very weak. I couldn't walk. But I used to tell my boss to take me to the hospital. And if you tell them to take you to the hospital, they think that you are faking everything. So she just ignored me in the house. Uh, then I decided to go with my phone to the bathroom to make a call to my Kenyan agent. All of a sudden, I just fell down. Uh, I was hearing everything, but I couldn't stand. And then she took a long time to come. So around two hours, that is when she came. And then she just took water from the running tub and poured on me three packets of water. And then she just closed the door and went. She never came back. I was just down there until around midnight. That is when I became a bit conscious. I took my phone, then I recorded an audio clip, sent it to my agent in Kenya and told him what was happening. That was the first time he just responded because before, earlier I could have, I used to tell him that I was in a problem, but he used to ignore. But that day, I don't know God touched him. He decided to contact the office in Saudi Arabia and the office contacted the father of the house. And that is, that man called the wife, that is when they took me to the hospital. And so she has since adopted the Monica Lucking mom, a name that she says depicts just how fortunate she was to come back home safely. That is the main reason I call myself the Lucky Mom. Uh, because even my friends, we were 12 of us, but four of them died and we were we remained eight of us alive. As horrible as it sounds, it's unfortunately all too common here in Kenya. Many women who find domestic work in Gulf states come back home either maimed or scarred, and in worst-case scenarios, they come back in caskets. A report by the Ministry of Foreign Affairs presented to the Kenyan Parliament last year showed that at least 89 Kenyans, most of whom were domestic workers, died in Saudi Arabia between 2020 and 2021. But the problem goes far beyond deaths. In September of 2022, an investigation by the Kenya's Commission on Administration of Justice revealed horrifying details on the state of domestic workers living in Saudi Arabia. 
Masi Wambua is the commission secretary. The investigations found out that there are major forms of abuses experienced by domestic workers in Saudi Arabia. And this range from passport confiscation, physical abuses, sexual abuses, sleep deprivation, food deprivation, labor exploitation, movement restrictions, and imprisonment prior to deportation. They also face challenges of religious intolerance and uh, psychological abuse. Even though cases have continued to spark alarm and outrage among Kenyans, there still remains too little to no oversight of Kenyans working abroad and there's rarely, if any, repercussions of abusive employers of domestic workers. We also established that the National Employment Authority lacks a sufficient legal and enforcement framework for dealing with rogue uh, recruitment agencies. Kenyan women are recruited to travel to the Gulf and other places in the Middle East through local agencies. They are lured by the promise of big salaries, but when something goes wrong, these agents are hard to find and evade law enforcement. The affected families are therefore left to bear the pain alone and helplessly watch as their daughters and wives become just another statistic. In Kenya, we have many labor laws, but the relevant ones do not refer direct to labor exploitation and thus cannot protect migrant workers. However, it, we also established that the drafting of a labor migration management bill, as well as a national uh, labor migration policy, are underway. Once they are enacted, they will be able to address some of the systemic and legal gaps identified by our uh, investigations. The fight for domestic workers now falls to a new generation of activists, such as Emma Mbura, a former senator in Kenya. I come from a very poor family. I gave birth when I was only 16 years. I dropped out of school. I decided to work as a nanny. What I saw in Saudi made me decide to advocate for Middle East domestic workers. Emma has used extreme tactics to make a point about this issue. I've been making noise and seeing uh, many girls coming back home because I threatened to strip naked if they don't bring back home. Last year, she even threatened to commit suicide if the former president, Uru Kenyatta, and his administration continued to ignore the plight of Kenyan women traveling to the Gulf in search of domestic jobs. Many times I use uh, WhatsApp to record my voice, and you know, it goes viral. I threatened to commit suicide if they don't bring the... There were three girls, and they were brought back home. Emma's efforts to help domestic workers and their families hasn't been limited to trying to change laws and influence the government. Over the years, she has trekked all over the country to meet individual families and try to assist them as best as she can. Oftentimes, this means digging deep into her own pockets to help bring back stranded women or their bodies from the Middle East. I had to use my money. Part, uh, part of the money was mine. So you see... Seeing how big the problem is and how much need is out there, Emma has decided to start a non-profit organization dedicated to helping Kenyan domestic workers living abroad. She hopes to not only help women who are stranded, but provide alternative economic opportunities for women in Kenya and therefore reducing the need to work abroad in the first place.
majority who are going, they are very young girls. Maybe they have one child, they are from broken marriages, they cannot make ends meet, they have no papers. The only way they can be employed is uh, Saudi Emma's plan includes educating girls on the dangers of working abroad, as well as trying to ensure that more complete their education. Even still, finding work within Kenya continues to be a challenge. Remember Deborah? She had an advanced degree in entrepreneurship and a certificate in accounting, and still felt the need to work abroad. This brings us back to the government. In September, Kenya saw William Ruto take over the presidency from Kenyatta. And so far, there is hope that this administration is more open to reforms. I'm going to work closely with the uh, Saudi Arabian embassy and investigate each and every death that has occurred so that each and every person who participated in the death of these girls is brought to book and charged. Early November, Kenya's Minister for Foreign Affairs, Dr. Alfred Mutua, traveled to Saudi Arabia to meet the authorities there, where on top of his agenda was discussions on challenges faced by Kenyan workers. The Saudi Arabian government has said that they are shocked by the reports that they have seen and they are going to work hand in hand with us to ensure that the things that we see reported do not appear ever again. He held several meetings with Saudi government officials. They agreed to work on modalities for Kenyan workers. Some of the new initiatives include the introduction of a wage protection program and a distress alert line to security agencies. The development follows incidents of deaths and torture of Kenyan But the problem workers. goes far beyond deaths. It is very clear to me that the problems that Kenyans are facing in Saudi Arabia actually do not start here but start at home. The system is flawed and corrupt, and unless fixed, nothing will change. There is massive corruption in the way Kenyans are prepared to come to be domestic workers in Saudi Arabia. This is a major concern for all of us. There have been unconfirmed cases linking past Kenyan government officials to recruiting agencies. We have to break the cartels and streamline the agencies, some of which are owned by prominent Kenyans. We will, in collaboration with the Saudi government, flush out illegal uh, agencies and blacklist agencies that do not perform as per the law. The rights of all workers, as enshrined by the laws of Saudi Arabia and Kenya, will be enforced. So the evidence is compelling the need of these women is immediate. The question remains, will these efforts be enough to protect Kenyan women working abroad? There's too much on the line for it not to. For the hidden economics of remarkable women, I'm Pauline Ungaji. So what can advocates do in Kenya to ensure the safety of women domestic workers abroad? We talked to the head of a hotline for Kenyan domestic workers who receives thousands of complaints a day, including from Saudi Arabia. More on that after the break.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Welcome back to The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women, a production of Foreign Policy. I'm Rena Nainen. Before the break, we heard about the injustices many women domestic workers from Kenya face in Saudi Arabia. Now we're going to hear from two domestic work experts about what countries like Kenya can do to protect their citizens working abroad. Oftentimes, the alleged abusers aren't in their country. So how can you bring them to justice? What labor laws can be in place in your own country to help with this? One key first step is passing a law in Kenya to better protect Kenyan migrant workers. And there's a growing movement to do so. I had the privilege to talk to Carolyn Casina from the Solidarity Center in Kenya. She works with many unions and labor organizers, including Kenyan migrant domestic workers. This is particularly important to do in Kenya. There is little freedom to associate, assemble, or protest in Saudi Arabia really making it almost impossible to do labor organizing there. One of Caroline's colleagues is Ruth Kakame. She's the head of Kudeha, a major labor union in Kenya for domestic workers and others. She's also the main point of contact for a 24-hour domestic worker hotline with tips about abuses, many of which are from Saudi Arabia. Here's my conversation with Ruth Kakame and Caroline Kasina. When these domestic workers call you, what do they say? They call because they're in distress and they want to be brought back home. Some of them are uh, stranded at the detention centers. Maybe they lost their passports or confiscated. Some lost their documents, their travel documents to come back home. Some, they had to run away from the employer's residences and they are stranded. They don't know how they'll come back home. So they call us to find out from the recruitment agency who linked them with the employer, how they can be assisted to come back home. Ruth, can you give me an example of one particular call you got? Uh, the most recent one is of a lady who was uh, recruited to Saudi Arabia. The visa that the recruitment agency gave her was a visitor's visa, and it had already expired. So that means her status in the country was an illegal migrant worker. So we, we took that case to, to court, and we're still following up. But again, the lady has been repatriated back to the country through the help of the embassy by fast-tracking the process of having her have her exit from the country to ensure that she's back in the country. Caroline, the Solidarity Center has a number of initiatives with these workers, including telling them what their rights are, their online groups they can join to inform you about abuses. And one of the projects you helped organize and build was a network of workers who returned from Gulf countries, including Saudi Arabia. What exactly did this group do? You know, we in Kenya, we have a process called public participation on legal processes where, you know, uh, the public have to give their opinion on the law. So we needed a framework through which returnees can have their voices heard, a framework through which returnees can join a union, a framework through which returnees can get help 
you know, when they come back, uh, a sort of uh, safe reintegration into the community. And that's why we supported Kudeha to sort of form, you know, that network. So it's an ongoing process, but it does provide them a platform through which they can discuss issues affecting them, through which they can reach their leaders and, you know, air their views, through which you know, they, they can be part of other initiatives that concern migrant domestic workers. In general, what does the law say about these workers, the law in Kenya, and when you compare it to Saudi Arabian law and international law, are there any big differences? So interestingly, we don't have a labor migration law in place. We do have a labor migration draft law. It's still going through the processes of being passed as a law, uh, but we don't have a law per se, that governs labor migration, and that is part of the problem. So the process of creating that law is ongoing. But, you know, uh, passing a law usually takes time. So I think it's almost, let me say, like three years, three, four years, when the process began, but we still don't have a law. The government does sign bilateral labor agreements with all these countries. So Kenya has signed agreements in Saudi Arabia, with Qatar, with UAE, to provide labor, including domestic workers to this country. Interestingly, these BLAs are not accessible to the public, even including to the people that, you know, uh, these BLAs are supposed to cover. So Caroline, you've said that helping these workers with these early arbitration cases has had some success, actually. Can you tell me about these early arbitration cases and, and your efforts? One of the issues that came up a lot of the times was migrant domestic workers are facing violation because they do not know their rights. So some of the violations were considered minor labor violations that could be arbitrated at a very lower level, you know, at a grassroots level, because our court systems are very expensive and very cumbersome and they're not accessible to, to everyone. So what that mechanism does is look at the reported cases because cases come in every day to the union, to the county government, to the police. So all these cases are collected and then the union plus other stakeholders go through the cases and identify minor labor violations that can be arbitrated easily, where, you know, the union can sit with the recruitment agencies and just try to look at, uh, identify ways of resolving most of the, those minor cases. And some of the minor cases include, you know, where a recruitment agency has decided to hold a passport or an ident identification card of a migrant domestic worker, and that can be resolved easily. Ruth, can you give us an example of how you helped someone in need who may have had their passport taken away by the recruitment agency? Yeah, and uh, there are so many cases that we've done, but uh, there's a lady who came to our office and complained that uh, she wanted to travel to Bahrain, but unfortunately, the recruitment agencies are got an opportunity in Saudi Arabia and uh, they decided that for them that uh, their destination is Saudi Arabia and not Bahrain. So when she wanted her passport back, then the recruitment agency refused to give them their passport back. So it was a push and pull back and forth process because they denied completely to release those passports. So we called this specific lady who's the owner of that agency to our office. At first she was like, no, but I've 
taken care of her medical cost i've taken care of her you know processing for also her visa and now she doesn't want to travel to where i've gotten to saudi arabia but again we had to remind her that first of all her expectation was that she's going to Bahrain and that was the agreement that both of you had. But it ends up that uh, she doesn't want to go to this destination that you're imposing on her. She was very reluctant on releasing, but again, we offered threats because it is illegal to hold someone's document. And we even told her that it is a serious legal offense that you are going to take it now as a, as a serious case. And uh, she called back the lady and later on the lady came to us and told us that she has just released her passport. Are you hopeful that things will change? You know, it was almost impossible a while back. Having all these stakeholders work together with the support of Solidarity Center to see that there are changes in this whole process. And also knowing that there's a new government that we can try also to pick from where we left, you know, and push for all these issues that you want to, to safeguard the rights of domestic workers. It gives us hope. That's amazing to hear. Next week on the show, a new law in Bangladesh is making childcare more affordable, but it's also posing problems for daycare centers. The negative side is there are uh, minimum daycare area, 3,000 square feet, which is quite difficult to manage in a densely populated metropolitan city uh, like Dhaka. More on that law next week. I'm Rena Nainan, and you've been listening to The Hidden Economics of Remarkable Women. Laura Rosbrow Tellum is our senior producer, Rob Sachs, our managing director. Special thanks to Pauline Ungaji, who reported for this episode. Foreign Policy's audio team includes Rosie Julin, Maria Jimena Aragon, Claudia Tady, and Dan Efron. Our show is a production of Foreign Policy and is made possible through funding in part from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. If you like what you're hearing, we hope you'll subscribe and write us a review. It really helps us spread the word about what we're doing. Thanks so much. We'll be back in your feed next week.